All right. I am never going to get used to being able to start this podcast out correctly because I just have come to the conclusion that I'm not cool like that. And I'm okay with that. So this is episode three of The Brownie Points. Um, I am your host, Terrence Brown. Um, Today, I'm going to be talking about education, specifically minorities in education. Um, I think this is something that is very important. Granted, the fact that everybody goes through education and everybody has a a singular opinion about it and has a singular experience um, that varies from person to person. And their vantage point is going to be obviously different from everybody else's as they observe themselves in education and what education means to them. Uh, So let me start you out with the quote. Education and... uh, Okay, let me start that over. I'm messing up right now. Education emancipates the sentencing of incarcerated thoughts. Only if the confines of its initial establishment equitably help everyone in the pursuit of knowledge. Okay, Um, that's my quote for the day. Um, And just kind of a sidebar note, um, because I never um, I never give credit to anybody that does the quotes just for the simple fact that I am the one that creates these quotes. Just so you know, just so you guys don't be thinking like, oh, he's just saying somebody quote and taking the credit. No, I write these quotes out before I do the podcast. So, yeah, it's uniquely my thoughts and I'm just kind of condensing them into one quote that is relevant to the podcast. Um, So in saying that, I do wholeheartedly believe that education, education is key, but I also believe that education is key to those that are privy to where the keys are and to where the doors are that match those keys. I do wholeheartedly believe that. Okay, and that is going to exclude a lot of minorities and that's going to exclude um, different groups, I believe, in regards to them having the key to success in navigating education. And just to kind of uh, preface that before I kind of get into the and to the content of it all. Um, I just want to let you know, for anybody that is listening, um, this is my opinion on it. Um, this is not um, this is not fact based. This is not well. I mean, some of it is fact based, but this is not um, me deriving a bunch of you know um, statistics or things of that nature, although I could, and statistics would probably support a lot of what my opinion entails, but um, it's not coming from that. This is just strictly my opinion from one, my educational background, two, working in a line of work that is in education, and three, um, being a minority that has had to navigate through education in order to become successful in what it is that I'm doing now. So let me just preface that in saying that this is my opinion. Um, I don't want to, well, if I anger you or if you don't agree with my opinion, I don't care because it's my opinion and that's just how it is. Everybody's going to have a a different opinion on what they think education is, Um, especially if you're not 
if you're not coming from a night uh, uh from a a race or a group that associates with me because I'm African American, black, whichever you want to call it. Um so yeah. So like I said, this is my opinion and I apologize in advance if you are offended or if you feel insulted by my opinion on this topic. So the first thing I kind of want to get into um just to kind of kind of break the ice in regards to education is I think it's important before I speak on education as a whole and as a systemic um, establishment that everybody has to go through. Um, the first thing that I would want to speak on is the disproportionality or the racial disproportionality in society. And for those that don't know what um, racial disproportionality is, it's basically to say that there is always going to be an inequitable or unfair or unequal um, representation or advantage um, for people that are of some certain type of minority group. So for me, being African-American, um, I feel like in a, in a big and huge way and how it is proven in society is that African-American um, particularly African-American males, are a disproportionate group in our society, as well as um, Mexican or Hispanic males. They also believe those are the number one and number two disproportionate group in our society. I'm like, because they have so many tacked on stereotypes, and I feel like are discriminated against the most. If you look back at everything and you look back at history and what it tells you, if you look at statistics and what they tell you, if you look at how they navigate in education and how they are portrayed in education and in our society, it cannot be denied that those groups, African-American males and African, or I'm sorry, Hispanic and Mexican males in our society are the disproportionate groups in our society. And that's not to say that that doesn't apply to any other group. Um, but for those particular groups, I believe it's wholeheartedly there. So that's kind of the definition of that. Um, one of the things that um, I have seen just in my years of working in education and working with these groups is that there is a huge stigma centered around the thought that education is not the way if you are in one of those disproportionate groups. And it has shown and has been kind of proven through statistics and everything that I've read upon um, just because I wrote my thesis, uh, my master thesis or master project on this particular subject in education, specifically in um, school discipline. I think it's constructs like school discipline and the way that educators educate these particular students gives a disadvantage to these students automatically just because of the stigma in which they are associated with in regards to um, ending up being thugs, ending up being drug dealers, ending up being incarcerated, ending up being dead ending up being in gangs. And that is disheartening, especially me 
being an African-American male and coming from a background of poverty and coming from a background where I had no choice but to utilize education to my advantage in order to navigate my way through success. I had no choice in the matter. Now, granted the fact that I knew that from the beginning, and I was always told by my mom and older people who come from the same race as myself, that I was going to have to work 10 times harder to equate to the different people that were working hard, but didn't have to work as hard as I did to become successful in what it was that I wanted to do. And in all of the aspirations that I wanted to reach in my life in order to be successful. And so it wasn't any surprise to me in regards to getting to a point where I felt like I needed to be, you know, independent and self-sufficient, but as well as being self-aware of a society that wasn't necessarily against me in regards to me becoming something, but because of all the systemic underpinnings of our society wasn't necessarily for my for my evolution or for me becoming something better because even if you look at our society today in regards to you know different businesses and different avenues and everything like that it it's hard to it's hard to look at these things and not think that Everything that's run, like whether it be every facet of life, technology, you know, the way we live and everything like that, all of it is ran by Caucasian or white people. And like I said, that's not a hit on them per se. But if you go all the way back to when uh, people were colonizing um, everything and when, you know, we weren't completely and utterly you know, in the same predicament as white people were, they created a, a society and a system that was only that was only able to work for them. But now that you look at our society now, where we are, you know, more or less on an equal playing field, and, and I say equal loosely, just because there is always going to be a systemic problem in regards to our equality to other races and other ethnicities. I'm like, just because the system and the foundation in which United States um, is founded on, the underpinnings still work in the favor of Caucasian and white people, okay? And like I said before, this is my opinion on it, and that's my perspective on it but in regards to disproportionality in society when we're thinking about when we're thinking about children um, in education and when we're thinking about the diversity that is around us now even with all of that diversity and the multiculturalism of our society there is still a hierarchy in how we view certain minority groups in education. And the sad part about it is you could see it 
and the instruction that is given in class. You can see it in how groups kind of interact with each other and how different students and diff from different races and different backgrounds and, di and different cultural settings interact with each other. And I say that because, you know, I work in an educate I work in an educational field and when I go into classrooms and I look at, you know, the educator and then I look at the students in the classroom and then I look at kind of the dynamic that goes on and the interaction that goes on with specific students or specific races or specific uh, learning capacities, there is a hierarchy in that. And depending on what race you are and depending on what preference you have in regards to the people and the students that you want to help, there is a divide in that. And it's not equitable. It's not equal and it's not fair. So when I think about these things and um, I mean, if you as you can tell, like I'm very passionate about this just for the simple fact that, you know, as an aspiring school counselor, one of the number one things as a counselor is not just um, getting the rapport to interact and build a relationship with the student or with the client or however you want to view it, the number one thing is being, to, is being able to empathize with everyone. And that means being culturally responsible in regards to how you speak to different students that are not of the same culture of you, um, being culturally competent in, um, different cultures and different types of people and different races. And I think from that perspective, it's not always set in stone that every educator has that mental capacity to be culturally competent because we all have our bias. Every single one of us, that includes myself in education, in an environment where the student population is diverse. We all have our bias towards specific groups of people every single person and anybody that denies that they're lying because that's just how it is that they, they're they're lying and i can even go as far as saying some people have bias towards their own ethnicity and their own race and that's kind of the world that we live in but that's kind of a multi-layer subject that's something i i can say for another time because it it gets deep it gets really deep in regards to our cognition in regards to how we think of race in regards to our outlook and how we think of race as we internalize it for ourselves and in our own ethnicity and race and how we navigate ourselves through those avenues. Um, but like I said, that's I'll save that for another another podcast, another episode, just because it's so it's so compacted and that's something that I believe people need to be informed about because it's important when you're talking to people of a different cultural background or you're talking to people of a different race who may have different experiences than yourself. So the way that I feel is best suitable just for the simple fact that education is universal is talking about education and how minorities may experience it as opposed to you know, 
white Caucasian students in education who I believe to have the path that leads them to the key of, of education, who I believe to have an advantage in regards to the opportunities that they get when it comes to um, getting better grades, um, being able to have interactions with educators and being able to get to careers um, a lot more sufficiently just because of that, um, not only the mindset that they have as people, but also because there is, they're in a system that works to their advantage. And that's not their fault. Like I said, I'm not blaming this on any race or anything like that. It's just for the simple fact that they are in a system, in an educational system that was established by more or less Caucasian white people. And now as we move on to a more diverse setting in our modern day education, it doesn't work for everybody. And you're seeing that. And you're seeing it in regards to how kids are navigating. And we have so many things that we're trying to implement in regards to intervention, the way we talk to kids, um, how we deal with discipline, how we deal with behavior, and how we um, navigate through the development, the learning part, social emotion. You have all of these things kind of that encompass um, that we've kind of added as additives to bettering the education for those that are in it. But to me, in regards to that, those are more or less like placing bandages on a wound in the hopes that the entire thing in its entirety is going to heal. And that's not going to and that's not going to do it for education. It's a systemic thing. You have to start from the foundation of it, break that down and create something new. And I don't think education in a whole has done that yet especially for our minority students, especially for them. And if you really want to talk about, if you really want to have the conversation about equity and equality in education, then the first thing you have to talk about is how was education founded? What was it founded on? And when it was founded, was it founded on concepts of diversity, multiculturalism, cultural competence? No, it was not. Because at the same time that there was not a, those terms didn't exist in education. So you can't sit here and talk about equity and equality for education, which if you ever read a mission, a mission statement of any educational, um, educational establishment, whether it be a university, high school, middle school, elementary school, if you look at it in all their mission statements, it all talks about equity. It all talks about equality for all students. It talks about that stuff, but in reality, is that really happening? And if so, how is it happening? And for me, I can't fathom, I can't fathom a world where education is exactly that, where you're hiring teachers and educators and people to work with these students that are completely and utterly equitable in how they instruct students and how they navigate in their instruction in the classroom, and how they present themselves and interact with students, and how they respect their cultural backgrounds, and how they respect who they are, and what they are, and how they are in education, and their, and their capacity and capabilities in education. No, I do not see that. 
And like I said, that's just my opinion on it. So I want to read something to you. And this is basically a start of my um, of my thesis project that I just completed for my master's degree program. And it goes, racial disproportionality signifies an explicit systemic concern that ultimately endangers the conceptualization of equality and equity within the parameters of the educational system. These inequalities and inequity and inequities present themselves empirically through contextualized interactions between teachers and students that may result in unruly, insurgent, and insectual, or insurrectional, insurrectional behavior liable to disciplinary consequences for the students based on the severity of the infraction. So that's just like the first two sentences of my project. And the reason why I started out my project like that, just because I like I um, like I said before, my project was based on racial disproportionality in school discipline. And for me, if we think about disproportionality in society and we think about how people navigate themselves and the behaviors they engage themselves in. And if we think about the consequences that people get for certain things, there's a disproportionality in that. Why is it that if I'm an African-American person and you have a Caucasian and white person who commit the same crime, but the white person may get five years and the black person may get 25 to life. Why is there a disproportionality in that example in regards to that type of discipline or that type of consequence for those types of people? And we sit here and say, oh, we ultimately live in a world that is equal and that is equitable to everybody. It's not. And if you look at the the mini skill example in education, um, just because I've done my project on this, uh, just some of the statistics show that same type of example just in the setting of education. And that disproportionality is there. And so if that disproportionality is there for school discipline, why would it not be there for inst our educational instruction? Why would it not be there in regards to the interaction of teachers to their students, especially if they're not culturally competent or if they have a bias that or if they have a bias in the back of their head when they interact with specific students or even teachers that may not be the same cultural background or race as them. And that lets me know right there that as far as we have come as a society, there is still a lot of unfair, unequal treatment of minority groups. And that's it. And that's really where it comes from. And so it's hard being, um, being a person of a minority group to really feel like 
education is the key to everything when if education is the key to everything then why don't i have equal accessibility to the keys but i know for a fact that these students or this race or this ethnic group has access to it easier than i would have to get access to it or i would have to work 20 times as harder to even be in a predicament where I can gain access and being successful in education. And to me, that's a, that's a travesty. And that makes education so bleak. But at the end of the day, we all need the knowledge. And that's where I think the bare minimum of education is correcting. We all learn, we all hope to gain knowledge in education. And I think that part is universal. But in regards to how hard we have to work in education to be in the same predicament and in the same opportunities and in the same places as a race that would be considered on the hierarchy as superior to everybody else, yeah, it, it looks a little different. So that was just kind of my my rant on that. Um, just like I said, I'm really passionate about that because ultimately I do seek that. I do seek an equal playing field to play on. Otherwise, what's the point in playing the game if I know that once I start the game, I'm already down in points or in scoring to the opposition? What's the point in playing? And that's how some of our, our students of of minorities and of racial groups that are different from Caucasian, that's how some of them feel. They already feel like they're down in the game. So what's the point in exerting all of this energy in education when I'm going to be considered a thug or I'm going to be considered a thief or I'm going to be cons or, or I'm going to be in jail or um, society says I'm going to be these things that may not even match who I am. And may not even attest to the capacity in which I think. And that's sad. And if you want to go a little bit deeper than that, think about some of the people that are around you. And think about some of your friends and think about where you grew up. See, because like I said, I grew up in a, a place of poverty. And I grew up with around a lot of black people. Most of my friends that I grew up with were black. Like I had a couple of Mexican friends and I had a couple, you know, of Asian friends and everything like that, that I grew up with as well. But predominantly they were all black. Okay. And if I think back to that, you know, thinking back to how well I did in school. And I mean, back then, you know, it's not like now, like if you got good grades, and you were a nerd like me, you got talked about. And that was including by my friends and by, you know, everybody. It's like, oh, you get good grades? Oh, man, you stupid. They I, Like, that was the thing. And that's crazy. That's an oxymoron. Being called stupid because you get good grades in school. You're doing well in education. That's crazy to me. I mean, nowadays, being a nerd and being smart is the equivalent of being an athlete or a jock nowadays because 
Um, in that regard to our society, we are so much more open to that now. And I think that's one of the things we have excelled in um, in regards to education is that now you don't get picked on for being a nerd or, any, or having good grades. You know, you like look cool if you're a nerd or you have good grades and everything like that. And so I think we've come far in that regard to education. But, you know, back to uh, what I was saying, um, in regards to uh, just that, just me being talked about by my friends for having good grades and wanting to do something in education. And then once I finished high school and I went off to college, um, I, I was one of the only ones that went to a different college than all of my friends. Um, a lot of them ended up going to, you know, junior college or they went to the state college and I ended up going to, you know, a private Christian university. Um, and even in that, I, I felt like people had an issue with that. And this is, this is coming from people that I grew up with and people that I would talk to on a regular basis. And these are people that I know that have known me for 20 plus years. They had a problem with me doing that and making that move for myself and thought as an African-American male that I was going against what they were doing and that they felt some type of way because I made that move. Um, and, you know, things of that nature it is it's just like funny because how do you become a cast out all of a sudden because you made a different preference in the education that you wanted to take. And now I felt like, it, like I was being cast out and they talked about me. So now, now I was the person that was selling out. And now I was the person that was switching up because I decided to go to a private Christian university and didn't decide to go the path and the route that they, they, they traveled. And there's a, there's a stigma behind that. And What's funny is, if I think back to a lot of them, it's just, you know, a lot of that situation, it, it angered me a little bit. Because if we all come from the same environment, and we all come from a place of poverty, should and we all are African American, shouldn't we support each other if we see one of our one of our people that are actually doing something with themselves and trying to make it and that was something that I always questioned myself I was just like damn like people that I've known for 20 plus years they got hate for me now because I didn't choose a path that was similar to theirs and so even in that there's some inequity and then there's some some unfairness in how we treat each other in education even based on the path that you take and so yeah so just like I said before it's just like disproportionality does exist in our society and it does exist in education wholeheartedly and like I said, we can break it down from like school discipline. We can break it down from how certain students receive their instruction and what students um, have the opportunity to get help, what students are not um, 
not given access to it because we demonize him. And I think in education, we do, um, as educators, we do demonize the African-American students. We do demonize the Hispanic and Mexican students, um, especially the male students, just for the simple fact that they have so much of the stereotypes and discrimination placed on them in regards to their fate in the future. And so I believe that to be wholeheartedly true. And I spend a lot of my time talking to those students in particular. I even created a mentoring group for those students in particular, just for the simple fact that I want to instill hope that one, you're not a statistic to whatever the society or whatever the world believes you to be. You can navigate in education and you can be successful at it. It's just, you're gonna have to work harder and you're going to have to put yourself in predicaments that are going to favor you. And the opportunities will open. And I find myself having these conversations with, with these types of students every day. And I mean, it's disheartening that you have to have to kind of zero in on those students in regards to letting them know that you can make it because... I made it and but it something as simple as that is kind of the onset to success is seeing somebody that comes from a background like me and see them make it and I think that's important and I think that is what breaks down the inequalities and what breaks down inequity and that's what I think also makes people in education especially some of the higher-ups kind of question are what we implementing is what we implement in education really equitable is it really fair for all students or do we need to fine-tune some things so we can make it that way and i think that is a question for anybody that's listening to this podcast if you are in education or if you are an educator or you work in education or even if you're just a person out in society when you're interacting with people, whether it be students, adults, coworkers, colleagues, any of those people, your children, are you establishing a means to have a conversation about if you are always being equitable and equal and fair to all of the people that you come across in your everyday life? And I think that's a profound question. And I think for a lot of people, that is a loaded question just for the simple fact that you have to really kind of break everything down in regards to all of your interactions and how you navigate in life to really think about, am I being as equal and as fair to this person? And that person or all the people that I come around or do I let my bias um, be contingent upon how I treat people or do I let me be in a certain race be dependent upon how I interact with these people. And a lot of us would say yes, because 
I mean, at the end of the day, sometimes it's subconscious how we treat people. And I think a lot of that goes with um, the basis of implicit bias is it's an uh, it's a subconscious thing that we do, but the bias is still there. I have a bias for this particular group. I may not show it. I may interact with these people in a certain way, but the bias is still there. And so I think that's one of the questions that we have to um, one ask ourselves is in everything that we do, do we do we do things in an equitable and a fair manner when it comes to minority groups, when it comes to cultural um, cultural difference, when it comes to being culturally responsible and responsive when we interact with people? Are we culturally competent when we talk to people that may be of a different race or a different culture than ourselves? And if we're not doing that, then how can we expect an establishment that is universal to all people, which is education, how can we expect this establishment where I send my child, when I send my, you know, my son and my daughter to every day, teach them how to be culturally responsive and be culturally responsible and culturally competent when they interact with other people if I myself as an adult don't take the time to one have those conversations and two kind of analyze my own bias for people and I think that part is so important as an African-American male who has been stereotyped and discriminated against in my life and in my experiences, I have to go in my mind and even be conscious about how I approach white people in regards to, you know, what I see in that. And that's not to sit there and say that I discriminate um, against any of them and that I'm unfair in how I speak to them or any other race for that matter, but just because I've been discriminated against by that race, it, you know, in the back of my mind and in my subconscious, I have to, I have to be able to be conscious about my bias and some of those biases that, like I said, we all have and still be able to be fair and equitable and talk with people and get to know people as individuals, not as race and not as their ethnicity and not as their cultural background, but getting to know individuals. Because one thing you'll learn is that race is not contingent upon how an individual behaves or how he reacts or how he or she um, navigates or makes decisions. Race is not contingent upon that. Those are individual traits that we all have. And I think a lot of people have to be able to discern uh, an individual from their cultural or racial background. And a lot of people don't. And that's where we get the disproportionality. And that's where we get the inequitably or the inequitable um, treatment of some races and some groups because people don't know how to discern clumping us all together in a specific group or racial group as opposed to as opposed to kind of single us singling us out and our individual traits and being able to determine the type of person we are based on that 
not based on the bias we have towards a specific group and lumping us in. And I think that applies for education. And I think that applies for the disproportionality of our society and what we see. But I want everybody to be hopeful because we can change that. As individuals, we can change that. And like I said, and this is going to be always one of my themes of of just my podcast and one of my philosophies on life is the exorcism of thought being able to cleanse being able to cleanse or um kind of sanctify some of these these negative thoughts and some of these thoughts that are inaccurate and being able to um make them better if you if you have a tainted thought about different racial groups and minority groups and they're inaccurate and you know that they're inaccurate then that's something that you need to discover why it's that way and be able to figure it out and that that's gonna that's what's gonna make the world better that's what's gonna make our educational system better that's gonna make everything that we implement in our lives and and some of the constructs of our society better and we have to all be a part of it and we all have to be part of that solution. Otherwise, these things will continue to exist and these things will continue to snowball if we don't stop it in its tracks. And I think that's some food for thought for everybody to think about. Think about your interactions with the people around you and if they are equitable, and if they are equal and fair, especially for people that you come around that differ in race and ethnicity from you. And think about some of your biases, and think about if those things navigate how you interact, and what you do, and how you talk to people, and how you treat people. I want you guys to think about that. And like I said from the beginning, this is these things are just my opinion on it. Um, you don't have to agree with it, and you can think I'm completely wrong. But this is my vantage point to the experiences and the things that I see on a regular day or on a regular basis, and things that I've seen in in my life as um, that have come up to now. And just being able to speak on it. And I think we all need to have a conversation about race. And I think it's important to have for kids, particularly students, to uh, to debunk some of the stereotypes and some of, and some of the some of the inequitable things that happen in education. I think that is so important to have. That shouldn't be a taboo thing in education. Talking about race and ethnicity, stereotypes, discrimination. I think, and, and I'm not talking about just talking about it in, like, for instance, talking about African Americans when Black History Month comes, or Cultural Awareness Month comes, or things that, I think having an ongoing conversation about those things is going to help not only in the development of those students, but it's going to help in the analytical, in the analytical piece of thinking about how I think of race and how I think of myself as a minority group or a racial group or a group that has been disproportionate in education or a group that is in the hierarchy of things 
um, in regards to education as a group that may not have um, the opportunities that other groups have. I think these are important conversations to have. You can be white, you can be black, you can be Mexican, Asian, any of those things. I think it's important for everybody as a collective to have these conversations. And I also think it's important for educators to have these meetings and these conversations as well. Because if you're not made to feel uncomfortable about conversations such as that one, then you're not really attacking the problem. I feel like there has to be some type of un uncomfortableness when talking about race and being able to put your bias on on the line. Because I think race and our preference and our bias, I think it's almost it's almost even more taboo than talking about politics in front of people. And it shouldn't be that way because we live in a world where it's so diverse that we have to talk about it. We have to have a conversation about race. We have to have a conversation about culture. And I think that is important. And I think that's important for students to learn because at the end of the day, that is our future. So if we're not instilling these types of conversations into the students we talk to in regards to education, in regards to who they are as people, their racial groups, culture, and um, some of their biases that they may have and some of their misconceptions that they may have about other races. I, if we're not having those conversations, how do we expect them to just learn that based on experience? Okay? That is so important. And like I said, you can tell I'm extremely passionate about this. Um, but that is one of the things that I believe is going to make education better. Having those conversations, being able to be um, transparent in how we feel. And not everybody is going to be agreeable. And there's going to be people that are going to be upset and angry. But I think once you get those things out in the open then you change the system and the system starts to, to tip. And now we can open up a conversation about how we are going to make education more equitable and more better for students and as a systemic foundation for a better education that meets the requirements and the expectations of everybody and I mean that's really it in regards to that and to that subject and to that opportunity and so I challenge anybody in education if you haven't ever had that conversation before I think that's a good conversation to have and it may not even have to be about race or minority groups or disproportionality or any of those things. It could simply be about cultural competence. Because if you have a classroom with a, a, diverse, a diverse group of students, you have to know how to be able to cater to every single one of these individuals. And if you're not a culturally competent person, or at least have the perspective to be open to it, then you're automatically putting yourself in a predicament where you're going to be unfair. You're going to be unequal. You're going to be, um, you're going to be bipartisan to associating with specific students and not other ones. 
And so um, I think it's important for that to happen. So I want to talk about I want to talk about the value of education and how we perceptualize uh, what education means to us in regards to um, academics and what we are learning in education. So if I want to be completely honest and I want to be completely transparent, what we learn and our knowledge base is probably far more vast in our experiences and what we have seen and what we have gone through. And education is kind of a minuscule percentage of our knowledge base. And I say that because if you are a kid that comes from a background where you had to, or where you were forced to kind of grow up faster than your, you know, faster than the age or the time that you were supposed to grow up in, then your knowledge base is going to be a lot more vast than a person that strictly relies on what they learn in education to be kind of their navigational point in their knowledge. And I guess ultimately, if we want to keep it simplistic, it's, um, street smarts versus book smart. And I mean, and I know a lot of people have heard those phrases before, you know, oh, you may be book smart, but you're not street smart. Or you may be street smart, but know nothing of, you know, traditional education and traditional knowledge and history. And I think that's going to always apply to anybody that's in education. When I talk to a lot of my students, um, it's very clear that based on the maturation of their knowledge and things that they've gone through, that their knowledge comes from experiences and things that they have gone through. And that knowledge dictates what they or how they value education. Now, if you're a, you know, like myself, if you come from a background of poverty and you come from a background where, you know, you had to be, you know, quote unquote, the man of the house and, you know, hold it down for your parents who had to work, your brain is going to be a little different. And the way that you view education and reading from books is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a little more inquiry in as to why certain things happen as opposed to somebody who you know wholeheartedly believes what education brings to the table is the things that they should know and i think all knowledge and all learning is beneficial to the mind whether it be something that is of little importance or something that is a big picture um a big picture thing. I think all knowledge and all learning is important because we we gain knowledge every second of every day and we're always learning something every second of the day. So what it really comes down to is if my is my knowledge base um 
vast enough to where I can feel like education and the construct of education and its establishment and the underpinnings that um, kind of foundationalize its existence is that of value to me as opposed to me living my life and kind of experiencing all of the things that I need to know in regards to navigating in a life and making a and making these decisions for myself. So that's kind of the question I arise to, um, especially when I'm thinking about minorities in education. Um, if you think about where people and or think of people's upbringing, um, and you think of the things that they have to go through and some of the challenges that we all face. Um, especially if we're younger in life and we kind of rely on the people around us, our parents and our, our brothers and sisters um, to kind of show us what things need to happen in order to kind of forge a life for ourselves and kind of help us in adopting our own pathways to what we think success is. So for me, just having the mindset that I never wanted to be poor ever again. And I never wanted to have children in this life have to struggle or ever feel poor or ever feel like they couldn't get the things that they could get or ever go without a meal or, you know, be bullied at school or talked about for not having the same type of things or materials that other students may have. Um, that's what made education become valuable to me. And I know a lot of that stuff sounds superficial, but that's me thinking in a future that I didn't want to have for myself. And it had nothing to do with materialism and it had nothing to do with having all kinds of money to where I never had to worry about that stuff. It just meant for me that I knew that if I had any opportunity to become anything good in this life, that I knew I was going to have to board this train of education and I was going to have to ride it out to see where it took me. And that's just the reality of it. So for me, education was valuable. But like I said before, I knew at in the back of my mind that I was going to have to work a little bit harder to be able to make something of myself. And I knew that I was going to have to do things that probably other people from different racial groups were probably not going to have to go through. And I had to go through some of that stuff in order to come out on top. I recall a story when I was in high school um, and I was talking to one of my teachers and he he was um he was a basketball coach and I was just talking to him because I had him as one of my teachers and um we had a conversation and of course like in high school I was you know I was a straight A student um you know I got good grades all of the time a lot of the teachers knew that and so that's just kind of how I navigated and so and that went with just me thinking education was a valuable thing but when I was talking to my teachers he was a coach. You know, he was a basketball coach at the um, at the school at the time, and he was asking me if 
I played sports or did anything like that. And I told him, oh, I play basketball. And one of the things that I thought was pretty insulting, to be honest, was he laughed. And, you know, and I kind of like laughed nervously. And I was like, oh, well, what's so funny about that? He was just like, well, you don't take me as a, a guy that, you know, plays basketball or, you know what I mean? And I was just like, well, why would you say that? And he was just like, oh, well, because you're, you know, a straight A student and you get good grades. And and I was like thinking in my head, you know, well, if I get straight A's and I happen to play sports, don't you think that would be the perfect person to have on your team? Something, Someone that you don't have to worry about having to check their grades every week to make sure they have the 2.0 and above. Like I felt it offensive and I let him know like that he offended me because I felt that to be insulting. And on top of that, I was extremely good at basketball. Um, well, you know, to myself, I thought I was, but um, I thought I was extremely good at basketball and I felt that to be insulting because can I not have the capacity to have good grades and be really good at sports? And from another kind of side of the coin was, was he telling me this because I was educated or I, you know, I held education to a high point or was he, you know, laughing at me because I was an African-American student who had good grades and happened to play basketball. And I don't know. I, I never could, I never could um, pinpoint why I felt so insulted by it, but it just felt so negative to me. And of course he was a white teacher. And so I felt some type of way about that. And I think, I think it's weird because even in that exchange, that made me feel like education was not something I'm supposed to be good at. I'm supposed to be good at sports because I'm an African-American male, but I'm not supposed to be good at education. And I'm not supposed to get straight A's in high school. I'm supposed to be subpar and I'm supposed to be average. And I think those were some of the thoughts that came to mind at that age, even at that age where you don't think about that stuff. But that was something that came to mind in that in that interaction with him. And what's funny is when I tried out for basketball and. And I come back to this teacher's class, he pulls me aside and he tells me how impressed he was with how good I was at basketball and proceeded to also say that usually it's the opposite. Usually I get a kid who's extremely good at basketball, but has terrible grades. And kind of my rebuttal to that was, well, I'm not them. And I, you know, value education. And so that's a lot of the times too, um, being a coach 
and uh, working with students in academics and everything like that is that education comes before everything. And I'm not just talking about, I'm not talking about conventional education. I'm not talking about conventional knowledge of things that you learn at school. I'm talking about educational as a big picture, being able to always be a lifetime learner, being able to analyze and being able to create and implement your own ideas based on what you think is going to be beneficial for your educational upbringing or the way that you think. And that's kind of what I think of when it comes to education. I think of it as, I think of it in its totality. Um, and not just from the school parameters, but in its totality. So as a minority and as a African-American male, um, I'm always constantly analyzing things. I never take anything at face value. And I never take any conversation or the things that people tell me at face value. I always want to be the person to be able to... Um, analyze and contemplate on these things and kind of come up with my own conclusion to what it is that I think. And that's not to say that um, anything that's told to me, I automatically disagree with or automatically, you know, have to see it out. It's to say that I want to hear things and be able to come to my own conclusions about them. Gathering information, gaining my own hypothesis and testing that hypothesis and see if it pans out. And I mean, that sounds like a scientific way to do it, but to me, the practicality of being able to implement your own understanding of education and the things that you gain in knowledge, I, th I feel like there's not enough of that in the world. And I feel like if education is something that you value, then that's something that needs to be practical to you. Being able to implement your ideas and your analysis of things and coming up with your own understanding of what works for you in regards to what you're learning in regards to your knowledge base. And I feel like that's lacking in a lot of our communities. And that's lacking, especially in some of our, you know, discussions about uh, racial groups and um, kind of the stigma around why um, some of the minority groups don't make it in education. And I think it's because of that. I think there's a stigma centered around thinking your own thoughts and them being wrong. You can never be wrong in the knowledge that you have gained as a person, especially if you have drawn your own conclusions and your own understanding of the world around you and the society you live in. And I think that's something that is so beneficial and valuable in education, learning to think your own thoughts. And that's something that, you know, of course, was in my, lot, my last podcast, is being able to think your own thoughts and be transformative in your thinking. And I think that applies in this educational in this educational talk and talking about education and talking about minorities in education is um, how you're going to make education 
as valuable as it possibly can be for you. And um, I think that's important. And so once that happens, then I believe that you start to break down some of the holes that are in education. Because if you're able to conclude that certain things in our educational establishments are not where they should be in regards to the standards, then it it becomes a whole different conversation about how valuable is education in regards to everyone and how do we make it a valuable thing to everybody and how do we make it fair for everybody. So one of my last points on this subject, just because I don't want this podcast to go on forever and ever, because I really could speak on this subject forever, just because it's so near and dear to my heart. And not only just that, um, it's so pivotal and important in the society, if we're talking about education, if and if we're talking about seeking an an equal playing field for everybody. This is a conversation that needs to be had. So yeah, I could talk about this forever. But my last brownie point in regards to minorities in education um, is talking about how minorities should navigate to be successful in education. I think it is important to know and to note that hard work for a lot of minorities is not always enough. And I say that in regards to no matter how hard we are working and everything that we're doing, it's it's ultimately not gonna be seen as enough. And I wanna preface that with, it's not so much about your hard work, it's about the opportunities you are building when you are doing the things that you're doing and kind of some of the networking that you are doing in regards to the success that you want to see in education. Um, I say that because one of the probably biggest examples um I don't know if you want to call it a a stereotype. I don't know if you want to call it something that um that a race does, but just speaking um speaking solely from the perspective of um being a black male, I feel like a lot of African American males um they have a hard time asking for help and they have a hard time seeking knowledge from other people and they have a hard time um, with being completely and utterly stubborn and standoffish with people especially if they're kids with you know other people who may be able to help them and like I said um, um, this is my opinion so I don't want any I don't want any black people being like oh you wrong like, or, you know, you this and that. This is completely from my vantage point. And this is completely from 
my experience only because I've done this and I've been around friends and um, family members who are like this and who have done things like this in education is that we get really standoffish about needing help in order to navigate opportunities that are going to be beneficial for us. Um, as like I said, like as being a, you know, a black male, it was always hard for me being younger, um, going up to people and asking them for help, like in regards to my education. Like I said, I was a, I was a, a straight A student in high school and it was hard for me to go talk to my teachers about college and to talk to my teachers about what was the next step, you know, because I've worked this hard to get all of these A's, but now I don't know what to do. And I don't know how to, to navigate from here. I need help. But I was, I was stigmatized because I didn't want to feel like, I didn't one want to feel like, oh, if I go up to these teachers or, you know, these educators and ask them what I need to do and them look at me like I was stupid, you know, because I was asking them for help or them kind of, you know, either on the other side of the coin, kind of laugh at me like, hey, you're a straight A student. You should know what you need to do and kind of be uh, condemned for not knowing. And so it, it, it's always, it, it was always hard for me to kind of navigate in that. Luckily, you know, I had someone in my corner um, that, you know, allowed me the opportunities and kind of helped me navigate, you know, my way through education. And she was probably the, the primary reason why I was able to get into college and excel, you know, the way that I did. And I'm going to shout her out, um, Valerie Martinez, you know, that's my second mom. I love her. And I always tell her she saved my life in regards to um, being able to find opportunities for myself to be successful in education. Um, because if it wasn't for her, I would have no idea of what I was doing in order to be put on a path where I could be successful in life if it wasn't for her showing me how to navigate through education. Um, and I mean, luckily in that story, you know, there was somebody there that, you know, that was able to help me. But one of the things that I want to stress to anybody, um, whether you're listening as a, you know, a younger, you know, a younger adult, or you're listening as, you know, a you know, somebody that's still in school, whether it be like high school, uh, middle school, um, if you're an older adult um, and you come from, you know, and you're a, uh, and you're a minority and you're a person that doesn't necessarily know how to navigate through um, where you're trying to go or you're looking for the next step in kind of your success story. Um, I want to say that no matter what is going on, no matter how independent you are, you're gonna at some point in time or whatever juncture you reach, you're gonna need some type of help. You're gonna need 
some type of inspiration, some type of hope. Um, you're going to need somebody to be able to kind of show you the way because we don't just, we're not just born in this world with all of the answers. And we're not just born in this world with all of the knowledgeability to the things that we need to do in order to find the purpose, to in order to find our purpose and the success that we are hoping to seek and that we are constantly in pursuit of. We're going to need somebody. And for me, you know, it was Valerie Martinez. Um, for other people, it may be, you know, it may be a friend. It may be uh, one of your favorite teachers. It may be a principal, a counselor. There's going to be somebody there who is willing and have the know-how and the knowledge to help you. And I'm speaking to my, you know, I'm speaking to my African-American people. I'm speaking to my Hispanics. I'm speaking to Caucasian and white students. I'm speaking to Asian students. Um, I'm speaking to everybody and saying this, that never feel, never feel demonized or never feel afraid or um, insecure about asking people for help and education and asking to be led to where the opportunities are so education becomes more valuable to you. Never feel afraid in that. Um, even now, like, as, you know, a person that works in education and um, has kind of navigated through different different types of positions in education, um, just fine. I still have to consult and collaborate with people on a regular basis. And I learn things every day from those people. And I learn of new opportunities from those people. And I learned that the only way to make education valuable for myself is by finding humility in myself to know that I am going to need help from these people. And I am going to need these people to guide me. And like I said, you don't have to hang on anybody's every word. You never have to do that. But you also have to know that some of what some people are telling you it's from their experiences and you may go through similar experiences. So being able to kind of analyze and draw conclusions for yourself in regards to the experience, to those experiences is going to, is going to better to help you navigate through education. And if we go back to kind of what I was speaking on and kind of the first segment um, about disproportionality and our society, I believe that part of solving the conundrum of our educational system being equal and equitable for everybody is being able to have our minority groups um, be transparent in how they feel education is valuable to them. Because if you go through an educational system and you've become successful, but you never let anybody know why you became successful in it or why you were able to go so far in it, then 
how are we able to kind of bestow that upon generations that are coming up that education is key and that you are able to get access to those keys and unlocking some of those doors of opportunity for yourself and not only for yourself, but helping people to kind of or helping to pave a path for other people who are kind of in pursuit of the same thing. And that's part of that. Um, because at the end of the day, I mean, in a perfect world, I want education to be valuable to everybody. But I understand and I am aware that it may not be value. It may not be as valuable to me or it may not be as valuable to other people as it is to myself. And I have to be okay with that. But ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, I want it to also be equitable and equal for everybody. That means no matter what color, no matter what race, no matter what cultural background you come from, you are all able to seek the same type of educational experience and it not differ because you are of a certain race or because you're of a certain minority group. And that's kind of what I want to see. And I really, truly believe that our educational, our educational system has to change in order for that to hold true. And that's not to say that it's bad right now, but it's to say that we can always get better. And so my brownie point to any and everybody that's listening is always remember that in success and in everything that you're doing to in your pursuit of success is that your knowledge and that in your education, whatever you believe education to be, whether it's, you know, your street smarts, your street skills or book smarts or book skills, whatever the case may be, always know and understand that your vantage point and your value in education and in knowledge and in learning is always going to make the difference in changing our educational foundation. Your story, your experience is going is what is going to make for generations to come a better educational system. And people need to know that. And people that are part of orchestrating the foundation of education need to know that because if they don't know that then the educational system is going to either cease to exist or it's going to revert back to what it was before kind of a one-sided deal that only helps particular people and not other people. So I want everybody to find and always be in pursuit of success. And that's first and foremost. But I also want people to understand that education is key. And no matter how diligent you have to be to work for it, and no matter how much harder you may have to work for it, everybody has the capacity to be privy to 
the accessibility to those keys to open the doors that are necessary for our success. I wholeheartedly believe that. And so I want you guys to believe that too. And for my minorities and particularly like for my African-American um, people and for my Mexican-American people, my Caucasian people, my Asian people, everybody that is involved in education, I want you to know that everything that you're doing is going to come out good as long as you keep your your value in education there and be transparent about your experience in education because we are going to be the people that change the landscape of the educational system and the only way we can do that is by hearing the the testimony and the story of people who have succeeded in education and not felt um, confined by some of the inequalities and inequities that occur in it. And that's going to help to change it. Um, so we want to be able to change things for the better. And I think living in a, a, div in a diverse society, education has to change and it has to evolve and it has to be equitable and fair for everybody. So in saying that and concluding that, just make sure that the value you have in education is going to serve the purpose that you need for opportunities to arise for you. Um, so that's really all I have today. Um, this is Terrence Brown signing off. And these are the brownie points. <laughs>